Topics, episode 113, which is a French hip-hop group. I'm Trey, joined as always by Dylan, who's back from his vacation, Tucker, and Cameron. How are we, gentlemen? Loving the dream. Good. All right. Winners and losers. Um, first, the only thing I have for winners from like takes is that there was a report that the Dolphins wanted Brady. Uh, and also that Brady's like really tight with the guy who could inherit the Dolphins if Stephen Ross gets thrown out and doesn't sell. Um, so yep, Ross could happen, could happen. I uh, just want to throw that out there. Uh, other than that, I didn't have any like takes that came to fruition or not. Uh, anybody got anything? Yeah, we can touch on this a little bit later. Um, my take that. This is going to be a big, boring year in college basketball. Uh, no upsets. There were seven upsets in the top ten, and including the one through six seeds and the nine seed all getting upset. So looking like it's, it's going to be a crazy year, but the tournament hasn't started yet, so it's just a tentative uh, foreshadowing loser. Anybody else? Um, um, actually, yeah. Um, hand size, train Dylan, small hands. Yeah, small hands. I the thing is though, I was looking. um, I was looking at your hands, Cam, and you measured. You measured out pretty good. You were at what nine? Mm Mhm. So Cam was at nine. Um, I did mine on the app, so I did like measure app on my phone, and I never seemed to get like a decent actual measurement on there. Uh, I was everywhere from seven and a half to like nine and a half. So. I came down to the consensus. It's about eight. But the thing is, like, my fingers are so much longer than Cam's. My hand just doesn't stretch, which Dylan said earlier, and I just didn't buy. Yeah, no, it's the same for me. I can individually stretch fingers. I mean, I'll show it on the screen, like, but obviously no one else. But you can do this. I can spread this. I can spread these two out. But when I do it together, that's all I got. It's... My pinky doesn't do anything. Linnea and me have the same width. Yeah, I don't know. Tucker, you were at what? Eight and a half? I'm my, nine, pinky, nine. my pinky doesn't. I'm go. a nine incher. So it was it was um justified too, because I did it one on the phone app and it was nine. And then before you guys joined, I did it with Trey on the actual uh tape measure and it was nine again. But Trey's right. I mean, his if you put it hand to hand, he's got longer fingers. I just got the stretchiness. Yeah, I can't stretch. I've been holding. I think I got big hand. I think my hands are pretty large. Like I don't think I got. I think Dylan's also got a big hand though. Well, that's I why I was surprised when Dylan was yeah, like seven and a half. Right? I was like, no way. It's like a parallel line, honestly. Yeah. The so the space between pinky and my ring finger is like half the distance. Like that. That's all I have. Yeah, Ooh. I can do more than this. We will certainly get into hand size more as we go on. Um, in terms of our poll, I'm taking home another point for my take. Oh, oh well, maybe then I'm not because we still have 37 minutes close? left on the poll. Uh, it's not close. I'm winning by a lot, but I'm not sure. You're in last. Um, I'm in last. What was my take? I'm pretty sure it wasn't good. It was um, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles, yeah. USFL. Yeah, tough, tough pick. 
Um, If it holds, I'll be at six points. Dylan will be at three. Tucker at one. And Cam at zero still. It's a tough start for Cam this season. Um, Oh, another loser, me. Um, Had some trouble uploading the episode this week. Uh, I couldn't couldn't think of anything clever to write. So I just kind of like was honest with everyone in the description. I don't know if anyone read it. Um, But then I also didn't put the music on. So a little lower quality episode upload last week. But that's because Dylan was away. So... All right. Uh, anybody got a ways to take? That I want to start with. I have. I have a uh, ways to take. It's it's college basketball, which we'll get into a little bit later. I hate um, these takes because I know nothing. No, nah, it's fine. It's pretty. I, I I may have made this take, but not as an actual take. But I'm going with it anyway. Um, I have not. I've stuck to my word. I have not watched any college basketball this year except for Vermont. I will say I did. I have watched one or two Vermont games. Other than that, only seen highlights on Twitter, um, or just read like records and stats and stuff. So I have seen that that Duke is pretty good this year. Um, they got a star in Paolo Blanchero, um, and as we know, it's Coach K's last year. I think that the script is written and. It's inevitable that Duke is going to win the national championship this year. I'm locked in on it. Um, they seem like a good all-around team. And while I haven't watched them, I know Florida State beat them, which Florida State likes to upset big guys. Um, I, I like the way that uh, the script is written. So Coach K is last year going to go out of victor. Duke's going to win the national championship. I'm going to jump in first. No, absolutely not. It'll never happen. I hate Duke. Um, and I don't think that Coach K is – I think he's a crybaby. I don't even like Coach K. I don't think he's particularly good. I think he's just a, all about himself, Coach. I think he'll be so obsessed with the idea of him going out of victory, he won't be game planning properly. I think it's the opposite. I think they go out first round because he's so obsessed with like his retirement tour. He doesn't even think to – like check on the, like, in the second round, the nine seed that they're playing. He's just going to be, like, looking past it because he's going to be ready for, like, his final four outfit. And so, no. No, he's not going to get it because he's going to be too obsessed with himself. I don't know a gosh darn thing about Duke. I thought they kind of stunk this year, did they not? Maybe I'm confusing. No, they're, like, the five. They're, like, the number five team. Oh, I thought... Well, it was last year that they stunk, right? Because then he faked an injury or whatever, did what he usually does. I don't know. They came back, um, but they had a bad first half. Well, if they're one of the better teams in the uh, in college basketball right now, then yeah, I think it's going to happen. Um, Coach K has won a lot of national championships. Why not win one on the way out? I don't hate Duke. They're one of my teams that I actually don't mind in, in college basketball because I used to play with them in like an old video game. But, um, yeah, I, I like, I don't mind Coach K either. <laughs> I kind of think he's, kind of think he's funny how he just fakes an injury every time his team sucks. But, um, yeah, why not? I mean, if they're one of the better teams, it's that much extra effort that they're probably going to want to put in. You don't want to be, you know, the last guy that Coach K coached and let him down and lose in the first round. If anything, it'll be somewhere of a mixture between uh, Tucker's take and, uh, Cam's take where they lose probably deep into the tournament, but 
I don't see why not. I, like I said, don't know anything about college ba- basketball. Can't really pick a winner. Um, so I'll just go ahead and say I agree with Cam, and I'll fill out my bracket accordingly. Um, I I I think I'm going to disagree, um, because I think that uh, you, the team might be uh, propelled forward in the tournament. Um, because of the Coach K factor, but I don't know if that's going to be able to just single-handedly bring them the championship. Um, Plus, uh, Cam's notorious for picking really bad for the uh, March Madness bracket, so I don't want to agree with anything he has to say. That's Uh, a good point. probably will not win this year. That's a good point. What does Jackie have to say? Yeah, get Jackie on the with, phone. I'll go with what Jackie has. Who, who won out of us last year? Didn't we have like a separate one for just us or was our, were our girlfriends included? We in we thing? did. We did a separate one for just us, but Jackie beat everybody. Who won out of who, us? I think it was Tucker. All right, well. I can look into it. I, I, I have no recollection of March sure Madness, it. so. Um, all right, I have a take. Um, so drafts obviously coming up pretty, not pretty soon, but a couple months and, uh, the combines getting started. Um, and I'm just thinking about the Patriots as, as I always am and, uh, what they need to do to get better. Obviously they need help on offense and defense. They're not a particularly talented team right now. Um, I'd say that the offensive side of the ball is a little more talented than the defense. But the thing is, everybody's saying wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, go wide receiver in the first round. And in theory, that's a good idea. But then I went back and looked at the last 10 Patriots drafts from 2012 to now. Um, And I think everyone here can agree that the first three rounds are the most important rounds in the draft. Like there's no like after that, it's kind of a, you know, crapshoot. Does everybody agree with that? Yep. All right, so I think they have drafted. I'm going to leave Mac Jones out of this because he just got into the league. But I think they've drafted two legitimate offensive players, like not even great, two good offensive players in the last 10 years. That would be uh, in the top three rounds, that is. Or four rounds, excuse me, top four rounds. That would be James White and uh, Damian Harris. The rest of them stink. Sony Michelle was a first-round pick. And he you wasn't th- a. You can't say good. You specified good player. He Tony he wasn't Michelle, worth. Like, he wasn't worth a first round pick. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You can't say good players and then just say Sony Michelle doesn't count towards a good player. He's he's the only one you have an argument for out of skill positions well, in the, it was in the, the first, first one to my head immediately. Skill positions in the first four rounds. Um, you have. Let's see here. Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene in 2020. They were third round picks, so don't act like they were first rounders. No, I'm saying the top four rounds. Top. Okay, okay. Um, Nikhil Harry. Great. Bum. Uh, Isaiah Wynn kind of stinks, but he's not what I, he's not in, included. Um, let's see here. Wait, wait. They just drafted another. They drafted a really good lineman in the third round. Lineman? I'm not talking about lineman. I'm talking about. Skill, offensive players. Skilled oh, so like position, offensive, offensive players. Yeah. They've drafted a lot of good linemen, 100%. Yeah. 
Uh, Malcolm Mitchell in 2016 was good for approximately one game. Yes, it was a Super Bowl, but definitely not a pro. Uh, Aaron Dobson stunk. I don't know if he's on there. He's good at one point. Um, let's see. Uh, James White, who I said is good. Um, Ken Brown? No, they were earlier. So they, they aren't included. But out of all those, you've got two guys on offense that actually have made a difference. Um, you've got a bunch of great defensive players in there. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but Chandler Jones, uh, Dante Hightower, um, even, you know, Kyle Duggar's kind of becoming a good player. So basically, I, what the take is, is based on this draft history of the past 10 years, clearly Bill's lost a bit of a step when it comes to drafting offensive skill positions. In the first round, stay away from offense. Do not draft offense in the first round if you're the Patriots because you cannot do it. At least offensive skill. That's the take. I mean... It's a weird take because you're saying like out of their first round pick or half of the offense, their picks weren't good except like three of them, which I feel like isn't that bad. That's a lot of picks. That's like know. 40 I, picks. I, That's like 40 picks and you've got forty picks and then two pick good. Only, but then you're saying only half of the offense is the people that you can pick some. So you're saying like, so probably out of those 40, 10 of which are offensive skill positions. Uh, and so you're like, out of those 10, only three were good. So they should stay away. Yes. I just, I don't know. I just I gave you a list of names of guys that were all stinky. I don't know. I'm very much, draft what you need. I don't really care what your record is. Get the people that you need and don't be afraid to draft someone because you've got a problem. Let me give you this. So, they haven't drafted a good wide receiver, like a real pro wide receiver since Deion Branch, like 03 or whatever that was, 02. Yeah, I feel like they've always been uh, Julian Edelman. Well, in the first, I'm saying in the top three rounds, top four rounds. So, so Trey, that's, that's what I was going to say, adding to your point. Is well. First of all, I agree with you. I think they've they've drafted really well uh, defensively. I believe Chandler Jones and Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins was a second round pick, right? But early. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And Dante Hightower wasn't he in that draft? Yeah, I said said point? about him. I said him. Yeah, add, add to our point. So I agree. I think defensively, draft wise, draft defense early. And then late round guys, I don't know when Gronk was picked, Aaron Hernandez. They were they were outside of it, but Gronk was a first round pick or a second round pick. Second rounder. Okay. They so were that was like thirteen years ago, twelve years ago. Something like right. that. So no, I, I mean overall in general I would say that I agree. I think the Patriots have haven't drafted offensively well. And defensively they definitely have proven that they know their stuff a little bit better. Obviously, when it comes down to it, Bill is the coach and the GM, so he's pretty much making the decisions, and he's better at defense, and it shows. So I think take your shot in the third, fourth, fifth round with the receivers and maybe a running back, but um, I, I definitely agree with this take. I think their chances of getting a good wide receiver in the second or third are just as good as the first because they cannot seem to figure out first round 
skill positions. They can't do it. And you can say Sony Michelle, but really, you drafted him with the first round pick. He was good for one stretch of one season, and then you shipped him off to LA for nothing, and he was a minuscule part of that Super Bowl team. I don't think he he is a first round value at all. Uh, Dill. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, you're saying just defense, or are you saying, um, saying non-skill positions? Stay away from offensive offense offensive skill positions. They could draft a lineman. I don't care if they draft a okay. lineman. I'm saying stay away um, from offensive skill positions in the first round. Yeah. Um, I'd say that's a safe bet. I think that um, I feel like with every draft, there's this... Um, if you're in, I don't, I don't know, between the top like five to eleven to twelve, um, if there's you know a gold star out there, skill position player, go for it. Um, if not, um, you, I feel like you need to take next tier positions that you know a, a really great one only comes around every once in a while, like get an absolute beast of a lineman or a linebacker some somebody that um uh there's less um amount of those caliber players at those positions like if you can snag those guys middle of the first round go ahead um as opposed to just trying to get this at that point for the patriots in the middle of the pack like a second tier um skill position player so that makes a lot of sense i would agree all right. Uh, who's next? Wait, I, I had a quick question. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked into draft much. We'll get there soon. But I'm, I'm guessing you have a little bit. Who and what position do you want with the Patriots first rounder? I don't know, but I just, I do so know. Cam, that flows directly into my, my take. Because my take is who the Patriots will take with their first rounder. I right, go for it. My take is on the Patriots first rounder. And this aspect, I unintentionally agree with Trey. And the fact that I'm not picking an offensive player for their first rounder. I'm going for, as I said, biggest needs. Wide receivers a huge need. But after watching them in the playoffs especially, um, what they need is speed in the mid and the linebackers. Right? Correct, 100%. And I think perfect guy for that is Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Quick dude. Um, you know, he was supposed to be a 2021 first round pick before he decided to stay for an extra year. Like, they're saying like he was a round week Micah Parsons, you know. So, I definitely think he's the perfect guy. He's like known for his lateral speed and his ability to move way quicker than a linebacker should. So it'd be a huge pickup for the Patriots for a team that Desperately need a linebacker. Um, I don't know anything about him, Tucker, but I like where the head's at. I think that is the what they should be targeting in the first round. Um, if not that, uh, a corner, but I don't love corner in the first round. I feel like a lot of those times they're hit or miss. So I'd be more comfortable with the linebacker. You're 100% right. They've been playing years now for, with like big, bulky, slow linebackers. <coughs> Excuse me. And Bill loves those guys. Bill loves those big, bulky, slow linebackers. But the league has changed. Everybody's smaller and athletic now. I 
want an athletic linebacker who can run, who can cover. Um, if this guy can do that, I'm all in. Uh, just another draft tickler. Uh, there's a guy in the second who's supposed to go in the second round that's getting a little Patriots talk. He's like, I forget his name, but he's like 6'5", 330 from UConn. Like that is the most Patriots player of all time. He's a D tackle. 6'5", 330, huge guy. Veldrick loves those big space eaters. And from a, a not college, like a not football school like UConn, it's such a pick. But yeah, I 100% I agree, Chuck. They should go for linebacker first round. If not that, then corner. Yeah, I I mean, I don't have much to touch on this. Um, if I'm the Patriots, I, I agree, go defense. And I don't know if J.C. Jackson, I disagree with you in the sense, Trey, of don't go corner round one. Um, just because, I mean, this draft in particular, you look at, obviously, over higher draft picks. J.C. Horn, before he got injured, was crushing it. Patrick Sertain is arguably a top 10 corner in the league. Um, and then the dude that I think the Browns, yeah, the Browns corner that they drafted in the first round um, was a stud this year. So I think corners in the first round isn't a bad move. I do agree that this year, I don't know as many of them. Sauce guard. So yeah, maybe it's not, not the move this year. Um, but I mean, I, I guess I agree with the take. If if he's a defensive guy and he looks like a stud, then yeah, go for it. I, I just don't know enough. And when it gets close to the draft, we'll all be doing our research and we'll know a little bit more. But uh, as of right now, sure, tentative, agree. Dell, um, did you pick this guy for any particular reason, Tuck? Um, yeah, I said that. Of what happened this year, just like you see the linebackers are so slow. You got a really old crew back there. It's clearly going to be a huge need in the near future. So having a young guy with a bunch of speed that you can put into that team while they still have like those leaders in the linebacker crew, like Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower, that can kind of like, you know, bring them into the role, I think would be huge for them. I'm just saying, um, I agree with the linebacker, but any particular reason this guy, just because this guy is uh, the fastest the top, linebacker. Is he's the just best? a top-seeded linebacker that we top have a chance Yeah. Okay. Then um, if that's the case, and, and then I could I could see this happening, so I guess I would agree. Um, linebacker is definitely a need, so... <clears throat> if this is in the realm of possibility of, you know, where they're thinking this guy can fall in the draft in the first round, then sure. All right, Dell, you got a take for us? Vacation? Man? I do. So I, 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 I know Tuck says he doesn't, we don't want to talk about vacation. Uh, and I'm not going to say about how great it was, but it was great. Um, <laughs> so I spent a lot of time on the beach of time walking on the beach, um, even just sitting on the beach, but more specifically, stepping on the, um, the uh, soreness of my legs from walking on the beach. Um, and it made me think about, um, you know, training 
like doing sand training. And you see a lot of players, um, whether it's NFL, even a lot of basketball players too, um, train in the sand during the off season. Um, and I was doing some research about it and I found that a few NFL teams have sand pits at their practice facility. Um, and my take is that uh, it's starting to catch a little more steam in the past three, four, or five years, uh, particularly because the Texans instituted it and their practice facility like um, three years ago, and they were one of the the first teams to really, uh, well, not one of the first, but it was in the news like that whole season about them training in the sand. Um, that was 2019. That um, I think you're going to start seeing um, sand training become a more prevalent type of sports training um, outside of professional athletics. Um, like I think it's going to become a thing in colleges. I think you're going to start seeing you know, uh, sand pits, like just in training facilities. Uh, you can might even see them in gyms. I think it's going to become a bigger thing going forward just because I don't understand why it's not now because um, the benefits of it are, are, are pretty well known. So, yeah, sand training is going to skyrocket. I, don't, I do not know what to make of this take, but... I mean, I've seen, like, I used to watch Brady do it. I've seen receivers do it. Um, I remember I watched, like, a high school, like, football training camp video in, in Texas, like, where it's, like, legit, and they were all doing it. So, yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense to happen. Um, give you a little sneak peek into our uh, list, guys, tonight. We're doing Star Wars characters, and one of my favorite Star Wars quotes of all time is, I hate sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. So, Cameron? Yeah, I mean, I've learned from being on this show for so long that you just don't disagree with Dylan <laughs> when he brings out a, a take that's a little bit crazy. And this one isn't necessarily crazy. It's just like... Outside the box. Yeah, I don't know what made you think of this, so I 100% agree. You are spot on. Um, same training. <laughs> Get in the sand, go to the beach, bury yourself, love going to the beach. Hate the sand, but I like the big holes. Um, ocean's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have a negative, say, a negative thing to say about this. I will well, say. The, the thing that I'm thinking about it is like when I was in college, um, we did pool trainings. And I feel like, you know, baseball players aren't, weren't doing pool trainings regularly college baseball players 20 years ago. Um, at least I would imagine that people weren't. Um, and I just, I just see professional athletes have been doing the sand stuff for, you know, many years, like going back to the eighties and nineties, but it's as in like caught on as like a, uh, a, like a mainstream way of training. Um, but I could 100% see like a college just like, oh yeah, this is our pool room. And then over there, that's our sand training area. 
and then that's going to be a thing. I will say some of the hardest football I've played in my life is drunk beach football. Um, I remember I played in the vineyard with Cam. I picked him off twice. No big deal. He probably doesn't remember that. Um, and then we played at the Naha Invitational. And it got pretty rough and violent out there. My team ended up it winning. Did. My team ended up, I don't remember who was on my team, but my team ended up winning. Um, but it is it, it is a tough sport to play. A, you're running in sand, so it's that much harder. B, when, sand you, when you get tackled, it hurts because you're just getting sand in every crevice of your body. Or rocks. A lot of time rocks. We played until the high tide came up and we were playing in three feet of water. <laughs> kept playing. It was electric. So sand football definitely uh, a a tough sport. So uh, I I feel like I'm stronger because of it. Uh, Tucker, sand. What's your opinion on sand? Give me your thoughts on sand. My opinions on sand. I'm definitely pro sand. Love and still <laughs> making bring up beaches. Um, when I ask specifically, let's not talk about vacations. I want to go on one, but uh. Yeah, no, I think sand training is tough. It gives you a whole different type of workout. Like, even when I was at peak form, like, you know, like, just doing a workout in sand would just be a whole other beast. We when were I actually was, told not to practice in sand because it's, like, it's, like, bad for runners. Um, uh, says you. Um I mean, Appar- that's, no, apparently, well, runners, they're not supposed to be, like, particularly, like, their legs aren't supposed to be, like, no, no, I mean, it's, it was like, don't do distance runs in sand, because, like, that repeat action over and over again is actually detrimental. It could but, probably like, screw for, like, your shorts. Yeah, exactly, that was the problem. And Tucker, like, you had such... Wanna, like, when we were, like, on vacation, they're like, hey, when you go on your runs, make sure you're not in the sand. Tucker, like, you had such good like, knees to begin with, too. Yeah, so it's just, like, one of those things you don't... But, like, short sprints, I'm sure it's great. Yeah, I, when I was looking it up, it said that running was, one, on average, 1.7 times uh, harder. Like, you exert more energy running in sand than on hard ground. And then walking was, like, 2.3 times greater than yeah. walking on yeah. Fun hard fact. Ground. I have never lost a race on sand. I've done two beach races in my life. I've won them both. I've never lost a race on sand. Uh, I don't think I've ever lost a sand football game. Just want to throw that out there. I think I'm undefeated on the I, beach. I think I might have won. I think I was on the back track. I, think I spend well. a lot of time in the sand when I golf. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Um, but I forget who said it, Tucker or Dylan. As far as I've seen, I've seen videos of people like training in sand, and you're right, it's not a long distance thing. It's like a first step type of thing because mm-hmm. it's it pretty much helps you with like uh, the initial get off, and I don't know, like a forty yard in the sand is obviously going to be very difficult. But yeah, it's it's not something that people do for distance. They'll set up like cones or do lateral ladder drill sand um i've done it actually I've brady it they ha- brady runs through sand he's got like guerrero pulling on a on a leash behind him just to get as much like tension as See, possible i'm telling you it's going to become a thing more and more mainstream all right i think it, it, it is a thing but it's going to become more of a thing i agree well i'll tell you who has a lot of time to go run around in the sand 
That's baseball players because baseball is dead. Uh, this week, Rob Manfred and the owners uh, extended their final offer to uh, the the players before games got canceled, and they rejected it. So we're going to miss some baseball here. Who knows how long this will go? Um, not really an end in sight. I thought it was going to get sorted out, but it didn't. Um, congratulations to the Reds. I uh, just want to get your guys' thoughts on this. In my opinion, I'm really putting this squarely on the owners. Um, I understand like these guys are making a ton of money, and you should be all right to play for what they, you know, are being offered right now. Like it shouldn't be that big a deal. But revenues have gone up for I think majority of teams. I don't know all of them, but um, I do know that uh, revenues have gone up, and they should just get a share of that wealth. I mean, they're the ones playing. These owners agree. I don't like baseball owners. I don't like John Henry. Um, John Henry's had a quite a year too. He has been a part of the baseball lockout. He has bought a team that is a direct rival to a Boston team. And he owns the network that that Boston team plays on. And he, um, tried to form a super league in soccer and it failed miserably. But I'm kind of frustrated with the owners. I think Rob Manfred's a joke. They didn't reach out to the players for the longest time. They wasted their time. Um, yeah, I'm just pissed off. And I think this is very, very bad for the future of baseball. Dill, what do you think? You're the baseball man. Um, well, no one's going to make money if they are playing. So it'll happen eventually. Um, I don't think it's going to be the full season. Um, it seems like they're at a standstill. The last I heard was um, both parties gave final offers and both parties said, no, no way. Um, which is upsetting. Um, I think the the thing is, is I, the proposals, I don't know like how long these documents are and like how long it needs to like be reviewed and what rules are actually being changed versus what it's the same. Like, I don't know like the logistics of like what is happening, but I feel like I would, I feel like nobody really knows exactly who's arguing what. Like, uh, all it is is, like, uh, people don't disagree. It's billionaires versus millionaires, and they need to just get along and play, and everybody makes money. Um, But I wish I knew more. I wish there was, we were given more of, like, what exactly is the nitty-gritty between... uh, you know, the issues that are actually causing this to be at a standstill. Cause I don't know. I as I can know understand, as I understand it, the owners like just took forever to give them a, a proposal and everybody was like putzing around, which is unacceptable to me, Manfred, he's done nothing but be bad since coming in. Like it's yeah. been nothing but problems with the MLB since he became commissioner. It's, and he's just a puppet of the owners, like every commissioner. I feel like Adam Silver is the only commissioner that actually has any say in his league. The rest of the commissioners are just mouthpieces for the for the owners. Uh, talk baseball, anything? Uh, yeah. Um, millionaires versus billionaires, as Dylan said. Um, if you think any of them are upset about this, about missing like March baseball, when they're not making any money, like spring training, I guarantee they lose money. First month, I mean, they lose money. Guess what won't be shortened? year because of that. The playoffs. The playoffs are still going to be happening. 
There, all the big money making times of the year will still be happening. They're just cutting off the fun, like fan aspect where they don't really make that much money. Manfred also said that he is um, looking into expand the postseason in quotes for the fans. So let me let me just make this clear. They want to expand the postseason. You know what that means? More postseason games, more sold out stadiums. More teams getting to be in that playoffs, which means more, more revenue, revenue for each of them. More ad revenue. And they make more money. Of course they want more teams. If they could have a 32-team playoff, they would. Let me just say right now, there is neither of these sides care about the fans at all. Like, neither of them no. do. Because if they no. really, really cared, they'd work to get something done. The players are all saying, oh, the owners don't care about the fans at all. Well, you guys don't really care that much either. Otherwise, maybe we'd have something worked out no, here. There's no, there's I haven't heard one player be like, yeah, you know, we didn't think that the uh, the things that they were doing would be good for the fans. Yeah, no, no, it's like, no, we, have, we don't want that many teams in the playoffs because no reason. Because they just don't want more teams in the playoffs. They want more competitive to get into the playoffs. Like, there's no one is in the best interest of the fans right now. No. So I thought the biggest issue at the beginning of this was the um, – the six-year uh, uh, contract, like rights that the team has to the player when they're signed, that that was like the biggest issue. Do we do we understand that? Do I need to explain it? No, I think I got it. So, right, I think the issue with the players is that they want the freedom to be able to uh, go to go into free agency and get paid before those six years are up um, because, you know, what if they get hurt? Uh, it's unfair to, to them for X, Y, and Z. Um, so I can, um, that's the only legitimate argument because to me that makes no sense, right? Because why would, it's the only sport where you can uh, be a rookie, not even go through the minors, just start in the major leagues, make your minimum, and then six years later you can finally go into free agency. Like every year before that, you can do the um, I forget what it's called, but it's when the team like assesses your worth and gives you more money. But it's all it's capped, and it, it's not the player has really no say. That's uh, what Mookie well, Betts no, so did. Arbitration and then, is a whole different thing when a third-party arbitrator comes in and sees your worth. Yeah, each side says what they're worth. worth. Yeah, so you say, like, I think I'm worth this much. They say, I think you're worth this much. And an arbitrator comes in that's not part of the team or anything and decides. You also, like, like, just, like, but, like, finds a middle ground. You also can't be a free agent for, like, seven years, right? You have to get, like, seven no, years play time. Yeah. Six years. You are under control of your organization for six years from uh, from signing, and then if you if you play a major league game, things change. So that gets a little confusing. The arbitration thing is reasonable, but you still have to like go through that process, and it's I don't know. Like Mookie Betts is an example. He was making like. Uh, he, he was just making way less than what he was worth, even after arbitration. I mean, you can say whatever they try to make even ground, but 
Benny leaves and goes to the team that has literally the, the shells out the most money out of any team outside of the Yankees. And, you know, there's his paycheck finally after, after becoming a veteran at that point. So I can understand that it's frustrating. Let's get Cam in. Cam, the Reds now, the favorite to win the World Series in your mind. Uh, any other yeah. thoughts on lockout? Yeah, you guys brought up a lot of great points and uh, left me out of a bit. But <laughs> the, only, the only thing I have to say, Trey already said, is just congrats to the Reds, man. They they worked hard for this, and they're finally going to get their ship after 30-some-odd years. So. two years Yeah, proud of the Reds, and uh, my take is, is looking good. Lockout's happening. I mean, if you're a Reds player, you got to be, like, rejecting any deal that comes through. He's like, no, no. Absolutely not. Till it's like October, then you'll be like, all right, let's go. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, I just want to cover a little bit of NFL. Kenny Pickett, you heard us talk about small hands. Turns out he's got tiny little baby hands, and uh, they would be the smallest hands of any starting quarterback, I think, if uh, when he gets drafted. So I've been saying all along, I don't like this quarterback class. And he also wears gloves, which I hate. Um, so he wears gloves. He's got tiny hands. He's a bust. I'm telling you right now, he stinks. He's terrible. Tiny hands. Now, I'll, I'll jump in on this because I brought this up when I made my take of him going to Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know. That was probably a month ago. Um, That's who it was. It, Wait, hold on, Bill. We had an argument last week because Tucker made the take that Roethlisberger was going to Pittsburgh. And then Cam was like, no, he said Pickett. It was you that said Pickett. Yeah, that was my take a while ago. Um, or Watson, I mean. So, because um, this has been known. The small hands is not new. Um, so even when I was looking up articles to make that take a month ago, uh, people have been saying this. And the NFL football apparently is bigger than the college football. I didn't know that. Is, is that true? Am I, was I reading something that's wrong? I didn't, I didn't know that either. Is that true, though? Um, not to my knowledge. Because that, well, the one article I remember reading about the about it a month ago or so was that it was... It might different. be thicker. Like, it might be more, like, round. It might, yeah, it might be, I think it is bigger. I think it's, I think it's not longer, it's fatter. I yeah, think. yeah. Well, I think that regardless, might be true. Regardless, my thing is everybody was saying Joe Burrow's hands were too small. And he put out a really funny tweet and said, I was considering retirement as soon as they told me my hands were too small. And he made it to the Super Bowl. So granted, I, I think that you were like nine inches and not in half, but I don't know. I think Kenny Pickett is a good quarterback. The gloves scare me a little bit. Um, but I don't think hand size has too, too much to do with it. So I'm going st- to, I still have faith in him. I don't think the hand size is going to make much of a difference, but I think it will to people drafting it, honestly. In overall circumference, college footballs can be up to one and one fourth inches smaller than NFL footballs. It's about a could be a five percent difference. Um, so the thing the thing is is it's just to me the hand size is 
is just like any other aspect of playing a sport. You have, um, you're going to be at a disadvantage because some of your hand size is smaller than uh, some other guys, and it's going to be harder for whatever reasons that that makes it harder, right? So you have to be able to combat it and, and not, le not let it become a problem. So how do you effectively, you know, make it so your small hands aren't a problem? That's the challenge, and it seems like a smart guy. I feel like he can figure it out. Um, maybe he, pra you know, you practice on. Uh, it's really, it's not for throwing the ball. It's for like, um, it, it not being knocked out for fumbles or and like like running around the pocket and you hold on to it right. and it gets bumped. That's the biggest thing. Right. It's not throwing it. So you just have to figure out how do you, you know, get better at holding on to the ball when pressure is coming. Do you tuck it a certain way? I mean, it's, I mean, feel like it would be easy enough to figure out. You just got to figure out how what works best. Not too worried about it. No, I, I don't know if you saw like the stats. I saw a uh, picture on Twitter of the starting quarterbacks now and their hand size and then their fumble rate. And it's true. The, the people with the smaller hand size do fumble more, which is interesting. I think Derek Carr had like a nine inch and he fumbled the most out of anyone. Um, so I get that part. I don't think throwing the ball has really any effect. If you can throw it, you can throw it. That's all on the tape. Um, but I do agree that it, it does affect fumbles just because if you're sitting there in the pocket and someone slaps your arm when you have one hand on the ball, if your fingers are an inch longer, you're probably more likely to hold on to the ball. So I get that aspect. I just don't think it plays a crucial, critical role in terms of, like, drop capital. Tucker, any thoughts on the small hands? Apparently you could have been yeah. a decent high school quarterback with your nine-inch nine hands. Yeah, I can. Um, you're lucky I ran. Um, but <laughs> but um, I just think it's kind of dumb. I feel like if someone has a problem with fumbling, you'll know ahead of time. You don't find out when, you know, it's not like someone's never fumbled the ball their entire lives. They get their hands measured and then they forget how to hold on to it. I just, I, I don't buy that. Like, you know, if someone, I think that there's definitely a correlation, but I think that's already seen in their gameplay if someone has a fumbling problem. Because I'm sure there's guys with small hands that don't fumble the ball because they're smart with it, and there's plenty of guys with big hands that just are fucking dumb with the ball. Playing devil's so, advocate, though, Tuck, is the fact that the NFL football ball is big. So you don't, you don't really know, but but that goes into the same thing, like, like with the flight gate, kind of with with Brady is like, how do you control what football he uses? Like, can't the team that's going out on offense be like, yeah, here's the one that we know is a little bit smaller, like you'll be better. Like, but can you do that? I don't, I don't know. Are the balls I feel like sizes. I feel like they all gotta be the same size in the NFL. That's well, just with air, right? So yeah, I mean, gas I they, they kick with. Like, when you do a kickoff, that ball is 100% uh, softer than the ball that they that they throw with. Um, it's it, it's easier to kick. And like that, that's, that, that, would just, that just makes the most sense. So there's got to be some sort of variance between the balls that are used. I'll tell you what. It hurts the confidence because when I find out 
found out I have little hands today. It shattered me. I thought I had decent-sized hands. It turns out my hands are tiny little baby hands, just like Kenny Pickett's. But to I, think I that there's an NFL that, quarterback... I can't do an octave on a piano. Like it's, it's like I'm like on the edge of the keys. I can barely freaking get it. But just the fact that a quarterback in the NFL has hands just a half inch bigger than mine, it's a little bit concerning, I'd say. Because I would, I would never thought I had the hand size to be a quarterback in the NFL. So, um, so maybe he's not going to Pittsburgh based on this. But you know who might be? Jimmy G. Rumor is that Jimmy G. potentially going to the Steelers. Uh, Steelers could be in the trade market for him. What do you guys think? Do you think it'll work? I think he's too pretty to go there, to be honest with you. It's kind of a grinded out, ugly quarterback city. Um, I don't know. I, Jimmy, I th- I still think he's he's decent. He's got a great record as a quarterback. I could see him doing well there. I could see him doing well anywhere. So, Tucker, what do you think? Um, I could see him going there. I think he'll thrive in that system. I don't think he's great. Um, but I think he'll be fine. Um, yeah, good match. I like Jimmy G. I don't think he's anything special. I think it's a good fit for him. I don't think the Steelers are anything special offensively. So, I kind of disagree with that, Tucker. Um, I also think it's a it's a decent fit for him, but because they are kind of special. Like, their defense is top 10, top 5, but they made the playoffs with a terrible big bet. And that's because of Najee Harris, who had a great passing game and rushing game, or receiving game and rushing game last year. Their offensive line is pretty good. And Juju, not great recently, but has had good years. Chase Claiborne and Deontay Johnson, and now Brooklyn and Pat Friar. I think they're set up for success, and that's pretty much what Jimmy G needs um, because every team he's played on, well, both teams he's played on, have been set up for success. The Patriots, when they were really good, and he won. 49ers, both sides of the ball, very good, and he won. And I think, yeah, if he goes to a team, it's going to be a team like the Steelers who are set up. They're just, they've been gone. They need a quarterback, but all the other pieces are pretty much there. So I agree that this would be a good spot for him. Um, and who was it? Field Yates, Trey? I think so, that, yeah. That said that he predicts it. I um, think so. I don't know. Jimmy G is kind of all over the map, but. Uh, I do. I do think it would be a a good a good spot for him actually. Yeah. Um, I would also agree that this is probably a good fit. Um, like Cam said, um, the team is the Steelers are kind of a quarterback away from being just that much better. Um, so uh, a good fit there in terms of on paper, it would be kind of weird to see him in the grindy city of Pittsburgh in a in a, in a steel mill worker's uniform, the pretty boy Jimmy G. It would look a little weird, um, but uh, I think people would get over that very quickly. Um, uh, the, the one thing is, is, I know there's a lot of talk about the offensive line for the Steelers being pretty good, um, but 
the the games that I watched the Steelers play this year, um, Big Ben had like zero time, uh, and that's and you know he was obviously old and he wasn't as mobile, so it made it even worse. So it probably wasn't um, as bad as it looked, um, but it still didn't look great. So I think if they could get they got Jimmy. I think they can strengthen up the offensive line even a little bit more, um, and then they would probably be, you know, that that division's so close that they would be right up there with whoever else is going. <laughs> this is uh, um, top of that division by the end of the season. I think it's going to be close. So I, I, I meant to say, um, or I meant to mention that I agreed with Trey. And when he said that Jimmy G is too pretty to play there, um, I think that's actually kind of a factor. I think so too, but I think it would, people would get over it. They can't relate to him. Four weeks. They can't relate to him. Right. And Pittsburgh's just like a not good looking city. Terry Bradshaw, I mean, and Ben Roethlisberger, just a couple of big, big guys, quarterbacks that win games, but Jimmy G's coming in as the pretty boy, I think that, like, legitimately might play a factor, that he's not like, rough and rowdy like a typical Steelers quarterback. It's, it's definitely, it would definitely be different, that's for sure, but if, say say he he joins the team and they go three and one, first four games, I think people would, at that point people would be okay with it. I, I don't think it would last, but it would look really really weird. For the also, first little on, bit, your point on Big Ben not having a lot of time, and and you did mention that he doesn't have any mobility anymore. I think that was a bigger factor than his offensive line. Granted, I can't name anybody on the Steelers' offensive line, but I still think that with somebody younger and able to maneuver a little bit. Then they'd be a little bit better. I don't think. He'd... Yeah, the plays, the plays that whenever there was any sort of pressure, the plays just instantly broke down. You're like, that was terrible. But right. yeah, if you had somebody else in there that could run around a little bit, it probably would probably look as bad. Um. All right. One more football thing before we go into list, guys. Um. The U.S. Oh wait, no, we got two more things. Uh, the USFL is dead. They're getting sued by the former owners of the USFL. Um, all I have to say is I told you so. This league is not going to make it past a year. Uh, Tucker, tell me why I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I missed that. What did you say? The USFL stinks. It's dead. It's not dead. Donald Trump's trying to ruin football. I don't even know. I heard the owners of the prior USFL team, so I will blame Trump exclusively for this because he's the only one I know of. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm not buying that this is dead is still alive and well. People just don't want football in the spring for some reason and are trying to ruin mining camps fun. That's all I got. So, my thing in is I think that the ex, I haven't looked into it too much. I think the ex-founders are just a little bit salty that they're running out of money and they're trying to find a loophole to where they can make a little bit more 
off of a league that's just trying to unite the country and give players opportunities. And I think it's really selfish of them. And they're taking away a lot of fun and a lot of opportunities from young players all over the place. Um, but I do think they'll eventually settle on something. I think it'll be pushed back maybe like a month or something. And they'll settle. Because like I said, they're, they're a lot more grounded than previous spring football leagues. So I think they'll, they'll be able to settle. We'll try to make it happen by April or May. And the dust will blow over, and this will be a huge success. So, so anybody can file a lawsuit, right? Um, you just make your claim, and then a judge has to decide, or that you know, is this worthy of going to a trial or not? I don't even think this is going to go to a trial because the um, the argument is that um, uh. The original USFL abandoned its trademarks after being defunct for nearly 30 years. Um, the original owners are arguing that um, the new owners chose to take the goodwill and nostalgia of the original league without permission of the people who actually created it. All right. If I owned a business that closed 30 years ago and it was named whatever bakery and some Joe Schmo in decides to make another bakery under the same name. You know, I haven't been in business for 30 years. I don't need your permission to make a new bakery, right? This is going to blow over in about 10 minutes and uh, we'll have football in the spring. No problem. I'm just telling you this league's going to fold very quickly, boys. Um, all right. Just a quick quick it might fold, but they're still going to play this year. This isn't going to shut anything down. Um, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. Just a quick side note, I just read an article that said the prior USFL, the, the league that's actually suing, um, this is where Herschel Walker and Reggie White came from. Reggie White's one of the highest sack leaders. It's either Bruce Smith or Reggie White. Highest uh, amount of sacks in their career, and obviously you know who Herschel Walker is. So, taking away opportunities. Sad. All right, it is March, March Madness. Like I said, I don't know anything about college basketball. Uh, Tucker and Cam, you can break it down a little bit. Dylan, if you got anything, go ahead. Yeah, we want to start? Yeah. So I made a take a while ago. I said there's going to be no more, or it's going to be a very light upset March Madness this year. So far, not looking that way, um, but the tournament hasn't started yet. I have not been watching March Madness, but I have been keeping up with records, stats, highlights, all things of that sort. So here is kind of my, my analysis. I think this is a year where there's no top contender. For example, last year was Gonzaga obviously went undefeated. Um, Baylor was right there next to him with like three, four losses. But the fact that just the other week we had the top six teams in the country lose and the nine seed all on the same day, which 
I don't believe has ever happened. Um, it definitely hasn't. Right. Uh, I, I think that Marsh Madness, and going completely against my take, 100%, I think it's going to be really fun, and there's going to be a lot of upsets, and nobody knows what's going to happen. And I regret making the take that it was going to be a straightforward, better seed wins year, but that's March, baby. What was the uh, thought process behind that again, Cam? Why did you think that was going to happen? Um, I think because, strictly because I wasn't watching. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so Tucker. I didn't pay Um, yeah, I mean, March is going to be fun. Seems like a lot of upsets already happening. Um, I think it's going to, I don't think there's any, like, surefire number one team. It doesn't feel like Gonzaga felt like that team, but they just lost to St. Mary's. And they seem a little bit soft. So, like, there's no real team that you're like, oh, this is the team. I think there's, like, you know, I think there's, like, ten teams that all believe that they can be title favorites. I think that makes it more fun than to have one like heavy favorite that they have some year. Till you got anything? I don't really know much about college basketball, literally at all. Um, I think it's going to be exactly like it always is. There's going to be teams that are going to lose that have a higher seed than the teams that they're playing. It's going to happen, you know, sometimes. It's going to happen, not other times. Nobody's going to get a perfect bracket, and somebody's going to win. Yeah, to be fair, Dylan, I've been watching Marsh Madness since probably fourth grade, third grade, like consistently betting in school, having almost $1,000 in my pocket cash in school. Yeah, I, I did that too once. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you look back, it's always the same. Like never it changes. never, it never changes. There's always, except for oh eight when they're all the four, all the one seeds were in the final four. It never changes. There's always going to be upsets. Um, in the sake of my take, I hope that's not the case. But yeah, you're right. I mean. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with school colors or, or, or mascots this year. I'm just gonna go random, see what happens, um, try it out. I might do that too. I think I'm gonna do some sort of combination of both. Uh, who I like the the teams that I know that have been good for you know a long time, and teams that you know a mascot could beat up another one. That's why I always take uh, the Creighton or Creighton Creighton. Whatever school that is, because I like the blue, the blue Jays. I like the Blue Jays. That's a cool logo. Oh, I like <laughs> the mascot that can beat up the other one. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that too. So it, it depends on what you're feeling whenever you name the two mascots. You're like, oh, that one's just a cooler animal. Or no, that one would, the gorilla will beat a, a worm in a fight. I'll go with the gorilla. The worms. I need to see a college team in the worms. Um, all right, let's move on to list, guys. Uh, I went on a vacation this week, too. I went to the to Disney. I went to the new Star Wars land. I think I'm the first of us to go there. It was incredible. The rides there were, like, 
unbelievable. Just the direction. Is it, of, in, is it in Magic Kingdom? No, it's it's uh, Hollywood Studios. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. For some reason, that was in Magic Kingdom. But it was sweet. You're a Star Wars fan, you should dream. So uh, we're gonna do Star Wars characters. Um, gonna go through. You can do. Uh, anything canon, I guess, you know, uh, the movies, the TV shows, uh, Disney Plus spinoffs, whatever. Um, I'll start it off. Uh, I don't actually know if I love my list, but it's what I came up with. So my number five, I'm going to go with Jin Jaren, the Mandalorian. Uh, if you haven't watched Mandalorian, it's probably the best piece of Star Wars content put out since the 1980s. Um, incredibly good show, not just for Star Wars fans, but in general. Um Jin Jaren is kind of the silent badass who, who kind of, you know, his, his icy exterior melts. He falls for uh, Baby Yoda, and Grogu, and uh, becomes kind of like a dad. And he's still kicking ass along the way. He's got the Darksaber. And if you know anything about, like, Star Wars lore, that's a big deal. Um, he might be a bit of a, like, a terrorist because he's, like, in an extremist group of Mandalorians, but... He's pretty damn cool. Um, I just finished the book of Boba Fett earlier this month or last month, and uh, he was in it a lot, um, which was cool. So Jin Jarn, Tucker, number five. Number five, I have someone from a non-regular Star Wars. I have Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano, super cool character from Clone Wars. Just, I don't know, she's Anakin's uh, Padawan. Just a really cool character that I was... It just, she made that show enjoyable. Cameron. All right. Um, I stuck with the original six. Technically the original nine. I just didn't have any of the last three. Um, you, d- you didn't? Marta? What? You guys didn't have Rose on your list? Oh, wait a minute. You didn't, sorry. Cam? Yeah, sorry. Updating list. Um, oh, I just five. realized who you guys will Number have. five is going to be uh, R2-D2. Um, he just got left off mine. He was very close. Yeah, I mean, R2 is a, an OG. You watch the original New Hope, and he, he's, he's the dude. Um, he's always there for you. He is... Uh, one of the reasons I, I had him on the list is because he's memorable in the sense that People always do the, and I can't, I, I can't do the, the whistle, um, but one of my favorite, my favorite movies, The Bench Warmers, I just remember, uh, why can I, David Spade, um, Richie, doing the R2-D2, when he pulls up to the, the gate in Bench Warmers, um, anyway, he's, he's very memorable, wouldn't think he can do much, but he's got half a map in there, and uh, he's clutch, he's memorable, and I love him. No, it doesn't, the, the, nothing happens in Star Wars without R2. He saves the day, like, every movie. Um, Shout out to the small man who uh, <laughs> yeah, was even, in that costume. Sweating bullets in, in the metal canister. All, all in the day. middle of the Sahara Desert filming all Star day. Wars. Uh, Dell, number five. Uh, number five for me, definitely not on, on anybody's list. I'm going the big man, bat and cleanup, job of the hut. <laughs> Let's go. That's a good one. Oh, I thought you were going to say Job of the hut. Um, just sitting. I, I I don't know if you could call that sitting. Maybe laying. There's no legs involved. 
so it's hard to tell. Um, just like munching on those crickets or, or whatever. Big bugs. And, um, Ripping heads having, off of things. Having women on leashes. The, the guy is an absolute uh, menace. Um, he speaks a language that apparently only one other character knows, uh, Han Solo. And, um, it's, he, he sometimes is, uh, like, uh, a projected, a projection on the screen. Sometimes it's like a real thing that they, that they built. Um, you never know what you're going to get when you come face to face with Jabba the Hutt. So, um, yeah, number five, just an iconic Star Wars character. Who came up with the big giant booger? George movie? Lucas. Like, 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 how did, I was gonna be a giant slug man. Razabazagui, Wookie nipple pinchy. Yep. Um, exactly. Alright, my number four is gonna be the only character I have in the sequel trilogy. Uh, sequel trilogies are ass, terrible movies, but there is one bright shining moment in those movies, <laughs> and it is the emergence of Babu Frick. Yep. The, the fact that Babu Frick does not get more shine is a shame. I did not see one piece of Babu Frick merch in. Uh, in Galaxy's Edge, um, don't hear about him. Needs a spinoff show. When he, when he, when they show up to his old den, and he's just like, "Hey, hey, what's up?" And he just like, he's just the way he speaks, the t- the, the size of him. I mean, he's, he's. I always thought it was a girl. It's a guy. I don't know what it is, but it's Bob. It's Babu. It's Babu. Every time he opens his mouth, it gives me joy. When I watch the movies, I'm just waiting for Babu to come out. Uh, Babu Frick is my uh, number four. Talk number four. Uh, number four, I got the green man himself, Yoda. Um, Star Wars is a Star Wars without him. You know, he made a whole generation for like a couple of years talk a different way. Everyone was kind of doing the Yoda like, uh, like mannerisms for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, sentence structure. Thank you. That was the words I was looking for. But yeah, I mean, Yoda. It's a shame to leave him off the list. The OG uh, had to get him in there. He is not yeah, on my yeah. list because he kind of sucked in this in the prequels. He didn't do anything. He was just clouded by the dark side the whole time and didn't realize what was happening around him. Let the Jedi Order fall right in front of him. The lightsaber battle in whatever episode that is. Two. Episode two. Elite. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always preferred, preferred him in the original trilogy as kind of the old wise man, not necessarily a warrior. And then he's like flipping around and stuff like that. So I don't know. He did not make my list. Uh, Cam number four. Number four, I got uh... Yeah, that. Uh, Chewbacca, the ultimate sidekick. The oh shit! I mean, he's he's pretty much the Robin of Star Wars, and I mean, the noise he makes and the fact that Han Solo can, like, understand him. Um, but also the, the fact that he comes in clutch. And then I'm actually going to reference the newer movies where he, he, I mean, he comes in clutch again. But sh- he shows a lot of emotion. Um, without the crossbow, only guy in the entire nine episodes that uses a crossbow. Correct me if I'm wrong. Nope. But outside yeah, of the other Han Han uses it in the solo spinoff once. Wow. Okay, I never saw that. Um 
but yeah, he's he's always there. That um, movie sucked. And whoa, and I will not pay for that, that movie. Was not good. I never saw it. So, so never bad. saw it. But anyway, a lot of my list is based on how memorable you are, and obviously Chewy. People still do the the Chewy impression. Um, actually, I know somebody that named their dog after him. Uh, so oh, me too. Block number four. I also do weirdly enough. Uh, Dale, number four. Number four for me, I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go with Chewbacca as well, Cam. Um, It's just an iconic character. Again, who comes up with a Bigfoot sidekick crossbow-wielding yodeling... Man, as as your space uh, co-pilot, like I like this man must have been on LSD making these movies up. I, it makes no sense. Um, for all your reasons, Cam, I'm putting him at number four. Um, my bet, my favorite parts of um, Chewbacca is just the head tilt, the subtle head tilt. It's like, oh, it, it, it means something. He's it, paying attention. The head tilt. Comes out in every scene. All right, my number three is going to be Vader, um, the ultimate bad guy in movies. I think when you think of movie villains, you think of Vader. Um, he, the more I learn about him, the more I like him. Like, you know, as a kid, you just liked him because he was the bad guy and he was, you know, scary and he had a red lightsaber and he looked strong. But like, as the universe has grown, you find out like he's just constantly in pain. He, the emperor gave him a suit that just didn't like that, that limited him, limited him, and he was still the most feared man in the galaxy. Um, obviously, his redemption is the entire point of Star Wars, and even though it kind of got ruined in the sequel trilogy, um, I think you know the story of Vader's redemption is kind of the center of the whole thing. Um, being Luke's father, obviously, all time twist, biggest movie twist in history, um, but. I don't know. I just love Vader. That scene in Rogue One where he emerges from the ship and you actually get to see, like, obviously they were very limited back in the original trilogy with what they could do. And to get to see him at his full power. Um, I don't know. I just find his struggle with the light and the dark and everything like that super compelling. So Vader's my number three. Uh, talk. Uh, my number three is Han Solo. Han Solo the guy. I mean, Harrison Ford is awesome. And I don't know. I I love this character. You know, him and Chewie just they could just have their own. They could have their own trilogy. It would have been better than the third set if you just had them just being pirates going across the galaxy. Uh, but yeah, Han Solo easy three. Uh, Cameron, I'm falling on super tray. I doubt anyone else is gonna have this guy, but uh, Robert Frick. I believe, Trey, we saw the movie together, right? We did. Right. Um, it was just another connection moment. As soon as he came on the screen, we looked at each other, and we were like, where did this guy come from, and where has he been? <laughs> um, yeah, he. I mean, he made that entire movie, which was a terrible movie, um, go from... A six to a six point seven, just 
with his appearance. <laughs> and Trey's completely right. He deserves his own spinoff. And the reason he's only number three is because he didn't get enough screen time. I agree. But he should have been a Jedi. If he did, not even. I mean, with with a little a a pen sized lightsaber would be electric. I don't think it's a girl. I still think it's a girl. Maybe it is. Well whatever. I don't care I don't care what what they would have done with him, but if he just got more screen time, he could have been a little closer. But he's somebody that I feel like me and Trey maybe are the only ones that connected to him on that level, which I don't understand. With, no, that's actually not true. Because I went on Twitter after watching the movie, and everyone was fired up about it. Um, but yeah, love the guy to death, best friend, Babu Frick. According to Wikipedia, Babu Frick was an Anzellian male. Guy. Ah. Confirmed guy. Confirmed penis on Babu. Well, we don't know. Um, <laughs> Babu, Babu, man, Babu is the man, but uh, those movies are so disconjointed, if that's even a word, that, like, you were expecting him to pop back up in that, on that. He showed back up in the end. In the end, he's on the ship and he goes, hey! Yeah, it's just, Dill. Um, so, just... I forgot I sent this in the chat, and this is why you probably thought it was a girl. It's the same voice actress that does Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter. Oh. So it's, a, it's a girl voice actress. But I just thought it sounded. I just thought it sounded like a girl. So I just, it does. I it's a girl. Anyway, go ahead. Number three. Three, Dill. Three. Bobble Frick. I haven't heard this one yet. C three PO. Ah. Oh. Boom. Everybody hates on C-3PO, but C-3PO's out here. He's the realist. He's throwing out facts. He's Never tell me dictionary. the odds. Um, I enjoy the older movies. Um, the first three to be produced. And he's, oh, he's a large factor in those, in those films. Um, I always uh, like what he has to say. Uh, other people seem to not. Um, he can be a bit annoying, um, a little bit, but it adds to his character and to the film as a whole. Without him, it would not be Star Wars. Um, and he was uh, Anakin's friend when he was uh, when Anakin was a child. Um, so. He done he does one useful thing in the entire saga, and it's when he pretends to be a god to the Ewoks. My favorite part of the sequel trilogy was when Babu Frick cracked his head open and took out his brain. <laughs> so direct rival to Babu. Number three. I, I, I never understood the eight. He was always he's a just guy. a nar- he's just a like a nag. Everything he says is like negative. Oh he would yeah, got got so. <laughs> um all right my number two is going to be Obi Wan. Obi Wan is I mean, he's. I think he's the only character in both the uh, prequels and the uh, original trilogy that's kind of played consistently. If you watch both of them, the, the amount of work you and McGregor did to like match Alec Guinness's, who's the original actor's like mannerisms, is incredible. I think he's portrayed extremely well in both. Um, yes, he kind of goes out like a bitch to Vader, but again, they didn't know what they were doing yet with Star Wars. But uh, Obi Wan is kind of like the older brother everybody had growing up, like. He was the mentor that we all had watching these movies. Like he was always the voice of reason. 
He's, you know, funny and uh, there's nothing more iconic than him dropping in. Hello there. Uh, just to a droid army. Uh, the, obviously, the fight between him and Anakin, probably my favorite moment in Star Wars. Um, extremely excited that Ewan McGregor's coming back for a spinoff. But Obi-Wan, I think, is the one of the most well-rounded and well-written characters, I think, throughout throughout the entire saga. So Obi-Wan's my number two. Tuck? Number two, I got Anakin. Um, Darth Vader, both. Um, but... I just think the character arc of Anakin such a cool, like, and well-developed arc from start to finish. I know some people don't like the trilogies, but just the way that he was developed into what he became, just from, like, boy to the Chosen One, to, like, the Chosen One gone bad, to, you know, to Darth Vader, and then kind of gets the redemption arc as Darth Vader. It's just such a full-circle moment where you go from good the bad back to good is just such a cool, like long play art that I just love for him. And it's just, I don't know. I love that character. Cameron. My number two is going to be Yoda. I know you left him off your list for whatever reason, but the reasons you explained for leaving him off I feel like, or why he should be on. Um, most notable older Jedi before Anakin and Luke days, I feel like he's the most notable. He is memorable in the sense that, like Tucker said, people are always talking in his voice. The backwards syntax, sentence structure. Do or do uh, not. There's no try. And then we, I feel like Personally, when he was doing the jumping and flipping and stuff, terrible. It was it was terrible special features like or uh, special effects, but I feel like that made it better because it was like, oh, Yoda is so quick that he actually moves like that. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I don't know. I feel like he's just super memorable. He is the ultimate Jedi in my mind. He's the master, the trainer, rides up on Luke's back. Cute guy, million years old. But uh, I don't know. I love Yoda. Uh, Dell number two. Surprise, Obi-Wan's not on anyone's list yet. Number two, I'm going uh, Han Solo, greatest warrior. Uh, Han Solo is... I, I, like when I'm watching the movies, um, specifically the older three, episode four, five, and six, um, it seems like Harrison Ford is like, he knows that this is kind of like a joke. Yeah, he does not like, take it seriously at all. When he's playing the character, and it's, it's kind of refreshing when you're watching it because it's like, um, Oh my God, I'm blanking on um, Mark Hamill's ki- when Mark Hamill is like taking him way too serious, and he's such a bad actor. And Ford is just like, just like taking it as a joke, kind of. It's just, I don't know, but that's besides the point. Outside, that's just funny as the character in general. Um, but uh, as the character throughout the movies, um, it's always entertaining when he's on screen, whether he's. Uh, 
get into arguments with Chewie. Uh, the dude knows a billion languages. He probably knows more languages than C-3PO, which is bananas. Um, uh, and, you know, he's... He never plays like a... You know, he's never like... like uh, I don't know. A, a, he's never the star of the, the show. But he's always a, a, a huge part. He's got his like little midget blaster pistol, and he's always just like doing work with it. So, uh, shout out to my good man Han Solo. Harrison Ford could not wait to be killed off in these movies. He did oh, not yeah. want to come back. <laughs> um, all right, my number one is going to be Anakin Skywalker, and you'll say probably, oh, you already had Vader. I view them as two separate characters. Um, Anakin obviously uh, was kind of the star of the prequels who which i grew up with um a lot of people don't like him because of how hayden christensen portrayed him i actually don't think it's hayden christensen's fault i thought he did a very good job showing the turn i think the dialogue was weak and that's on lucas but um he's just the coolest jedi in my opinion and star wars is about jedi uh he's the chosen one he brings balance to the force yes it takes him you know 20 extra years but he does it um and he's just He's the only guy that kind of questions the Jedi Order. There's a lot of things messed up about the Jedi. Um, very close-minded, but he's the one who, who kind of questions that. And um, I, I just, I don't know. He's the hero of the story in the first three, turned villain, but hero of the story. And that, those were my, what I grew up with. You know, I always loved the originals, but the ones that I grew up with are, you know, it's kind of the most important to me. And uh, he's just the coolest one. And watching the Clone Wars now, you get a more of a sense of how he was as like a general in the Clone Wars and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so Anakin's my favorite. Um, I just think he's the coolest Jedi and kind of the badass and, you know, the conflicted man. And um, to see him come back and redeem himself was, you know, is the whole point, like I said earlier. So Anakin is different than Darth Vader and he's my number one. Tucker, number one. One, I have Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course. Nice. The legend. Um, had to put him here. Um, honestly, it's Ewan McGregor is my favorite Obi-Wan. Uh, Alex McGinnis did a great job, but I just love... I mean, that was my childhood. I thought he was like the coolest guy on the planet. Um, you know, and then you watch Clone Wars and he still like has that perfect vibe to him. So, yeah, I mean, this was the obvious number one. He's my favorite Jedi. He always will be. So I had to put him. Um, Cameron. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I don't think Tucker had him on his list. I know Trey did. Number one Darth Vader. Um, I had Anakin. I can have Anakin as throughout. So, okay. Like, I, I went through the whole arc as Anakin uh, to Darth Vader. That's fair. Um, but yeah, Trey, you, you brought up all the points. You just didn't put him high enough. I mean, he is the ultimate movie villain. Um, from the very first New Hope um, to the time that he dies. And the, I, I guess I can kind of include Anakin in this. But I'm more so talking about Vader. I mean, the plot twist at the end, the, one of the greatest plot twists of all time. Um, and then talking about 
how memorable they are once again. Everybody knows the It was pretty good. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, Darth Vader, in my personal opinion, the only flaw I have is that they didn't make him a little scarier. But at the same time, I think, um, I don't know how to describe it. He's, he's He's the ultimate movie villain. I had no idea that he was Anakin at all. I watched the movies before I knew. And I just think that that's an unreal plot twist and you can't take away from that. So I, I'll accept Anakin at number one. Um, but I think Vader's character in general just will never die. Let me let me just address this, Cam, because you're right. Like He is probably the most iconic Star Wars character. I think the reason he's lower on my list is because of the limitations they had when he was, you know, the big part of the movies. Um, I think if they had made the movies right. now with the same story, just upgraded special effects and could have actually shown how powerful he really was and, like, show him doing right. more, I think then he'd obviously be an easy number one. But, I mean, that's just me, I guess. So that I took that into consideration, too, because I know if you watch the newest three, you would think Kylo Ren just destroy Darth Vader, but it's more so because of the effects exactly, that they yeah. he would had not on the movie. A to Vader. So I did. I took that into account, and just knowing that it was made way back, that Vader was still the most powerful for sure. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's Voldemort, and I don't know Thanos. I don't know who else you can compare him to, but he's, like, above and beyond. Dylan, number one. Uh, first off, I'd like to <clears throat> name uh, a couple honorable mentions. Uh, first one, Greedo. Big fan of Greedo. He's been there for five uh, seconds. He get, gets shot on the cantina. Han shot first. Uh, so sad. Uh, was my favorite character of all time. Um Skipping the rest because none of them else matter. Number one for me is going to be uh, Anakin. So I am with Tucker here that I'm including Anakin and and Brit and Darth Wait, Vader. Wait, Dylan's Obi Wan not on your list? No. Um. So, um. I agree with Tuck that I'm going to put them both together, but I disagree with cam in that i'm putting the anakin storyline ahead of the vader storyline um because for whatever reason i am drawn to the prequels more than uh, i feel like most people are um i don't know i think it was because i grew up no no i i i like I like the original episodes four, five, and six better, but I feel like I like one, two, and three a lot more than other people like them. Um, I give them more credit for whatever reason I think. But um, so um, just the story arc from him as a child. I love episode one, and people hate episode one. Um, and then uh, I 
think it's portrayed well enough through two and three. I think Lucas was probably um, just didn't have a lot of time to really write it as well as he probably could have. Um, but the arc for Anakin, I think, should include Vader, and that's why I put him at one. Because the whole story to me is mostly a Darth Vader Anakin story as opposed to anything else. Um, so I'll. I'll put um, Anakin at one. Dan, we got a question? Yeah, it's generally, I just, I don't know. Why did it take them so long? Because they knew that the first three they came out with were going to be, like, not in order. Do you know why it took them so long to come out with one, two, and three? Well, they didn't know that there was movie. When I made the first movie, it wasn't called Episode 4, it was just called Star Wars A New Hope. No, it was just called Star Wars. It was just called Star Wars. And then they made the sequels, and they decided to make it part of it. Yeah. I don't know why it took so long, Cam. Oh, I thought they, I thought they were, they planned it that way. He, he originally, I think he originally planned, like, a long movie that told the entire story of, like, Anakin Starkiller, was it originally so, like, they told the entire story, like one movie that told the entire story, but he, then he was like, this isn't going to work. This is too much. So he made it about Luke um, and then ended up stretching it out. Right. And it just seems weird because it was, I mean, George Lucas did all the, all six, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Star, the Emperor Strikes, Strikes Back was, that was the name of the movie. It was Star Wars Emperor Strikes Back. That was the second one. Um, and then they renamed they it to, New Hope, and then they, yeah, yeah, they rebranded it as New Hope. When I think they were coming out with what became Episode Six, I don't know when they decided to. I don't know it either, but it really wasn't five. that long. It was like fifteen years, and between between um, Episode Three and Episode Seven, it was ten, eleven years. So it wasn't that long. Wait, three and seven? No, four and one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was like 15 years between four and one, and then it was like between three and seven. It was it's between the the prequels and then the sequel started. It was like 12 years, so it really wasn't. Right. As, yeah, I think I it was 79, 82, and 85 or something. And then four, five, episode six, one came out in 99. So yeah. All right. Um, too much Star I'm Wars. Glad that none of you Luke. I was gonna Luke. say no Luke, huh? Nobody had yeah, it. I like. I like no, that. Personally, I did it because of the acting. He's known as the greatest Jedi of all time, but I don't care at all. <laughs> I think it gets ruined in the life. sequel trilogies, too. That that last Jedi movie ruins Luke Skywalker. Um, all right. All three of them do. Let's move on to the movie, Encanto. Uh, Cam and Tucker, you guys watched it. I watched it. Um, Cam, your movie. Uh, I have seen it. Oh, okay. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get we'll let you give it a score. Um, Cam, you'll go last because it's your movie. Um, I will cool. say this was one of the most beautifully animated movies I've seen ever. Like even like I'd seen Soul recently and stuff like that, like the newer Disney animation and Pixar and stuff like that. This isn't Pixar, but it's Disney animation. Even from like Frozen, which came out what like seven, eight years ago. Oh, almost ten years ago now, actually, like nine years ago. Um, it looks so good. Like the sand particles on them. You can see the sand particles. You see the hair on their arms. Like each individual strand of hair. Like their faces, the pores. 
their wrinkles, like everything looks super, super good. Like this is the best looking animated movie I think I've ever seen. I will, uh, the music was, was good. I didn't love some of the songs, um, but that's just kind of how it goes with me. Like I don't love the slower songs and stuff like that, but Bruno's a slapper. Their opening song about the Madrid, Madrigal or whatever is a slapper. Um, I, they lived up to the hype of like the TikToks that I've seen about them, but um, I will say I did not love the story. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Don't know where the magic came from. Still don't understand why it went away. Um, just because they were mean to one girl, it went away. It, it, everyone lost their powers and then they get them back. And it just didn't, wasn't really clear to me uh, why it happened in the first place or what the reason the magic was there for. So based on that, I'm going to have to dock it a little bit. I'm going to go with solid 6-6. Six, six. On this one, six six. Uh, Dill, go ahead. Um, yeah, I'm gonna start off with say same thing with Trey that the animation is like bananas. Like it's kind of ridiculous that we can do that animation. Um, it looks really good. Um, the plot was I was never involved in any of the movie. I was not interested in much of anything about it. I mean, I watched it a while ago. I watched it like a couple weeks after it came out. So that was probably what, um, in the spring last year, I think. Is it really that um, old? I thought it came out in like the fall. Jeez. Well, maybe it was the fall. I don't, I don't really remember exactly. I think it was the fall. I think you might be right, Trey. Okay. It came out at the end of November. Thanks. Okay. Me. Okay. So yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Cause I was, I remember where I watched it. It was in December because it was had to do with the Christmas thing. So yeah, it was in December. So, um, yeah, I was not really involved in the movie. I didn't really care enough to really pay too much attention. I mean, I watched it the whole time, but it wasn't really invested in it. I'll give it a five. Um, the music was half and half. I agree, Dylan, with that. Music was was half and half. Tucker. Um, I really like the music. I'm a huge Lin-Manuel Miranda fan, so, like, him being the guy that did all the music for it, I'm a huge fan of. Um, the plot, I will say, like, was a little bit weird, but I thought, like, the animation was awesome. Um, the storyline was kind of cool in that there was really no villain to it. I know that was kind of interesting, like, it's not boring. <laughs> no, but it's kind of, it's like a physical family like of problems is the fact that like they're usually not a villain in these family problems, but there is infighting leading like I agree with that, Tucker. I, I thought so I thought the like family aspect was good. I did think that. Yeah, it's just cool because it's like, you know, they're not the perfect family and like that's the problem is the family, like the family infighting and so it's like an interesting little plot change. Um, from what people usually see when they're like, oh, this guy's the bad guy, this guy's the good guy. Abuela was um, a bitch, though. Yeah, Abuela was a bitch, and like, poor Bruno. Bruno just got bullied by the entire family <laughs> to the point where he just hid for years. He was like, fuck it, I'm just hiding in the walls. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I thought it was a good movie overall. I'll probably give it a 7-4. It's not like my top Disney movie, the music was really good. The couple of songs I really like, like I'll listen to We Don't Talk About Bruno, just like walking around. I'll be like, mm, play it. And I'll play it, I'll, I'll play it. I know all the words to this one. 
I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Cameron, your movie, your score. Sorry, what was your score again? Mine was six six. Gotcha. Um, I'm definitely more on Tucker's side. So here's what I'll say about the plot. I thought it was it was pretty well run actually. Uh, you think about Disney movies, they don't make sense logically. None of this could actually happen. For this movie, they were in a war, and they were running away from the people that were attacking their community. And there was a stroke of light, candle, whatever it was, and it was a magic candle. And that candle was there to give them safety from the war. Essentially. Alright, so Abuela sees the candle. I get it, I just think it's... I don't know. I just didn't love right, it. But, I mean, compare it to other Disney movies, right? It's, it's unrealistic. So I get Abuela that. I'm, not, saying, I'm not asking for realism. I'm just asking for a better premise. I feel that, but I feel like they also explained it pretty well. I mean, I completely yeah. understood it. No, it, it, um, it, made, it makes sense. It's just like, that's this is the plot that you chose for a Disney movie. And you're like, you're going to roll with this. And like, okay. Okay, know. whatever. Magic candle that keeps just seems going. I love the opening. Uh, Trey, you mentioned the opening song. Love that, where they explain pretty much everything of whose power is what. I will say, Cam, uh, through the first like verse of the song, I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to keep up with this. I don't know who's who. I don't know what power is what. And then they like nasty. cover it again, and I was like, okay, I get it Mm-hmm. They did a very good job of that. Um, and then in terms of kind of why the magic went away, it was, you're right, Abuela, not not cool at one moment, but basically it was like, okay, we'll give you the magic, you have to grow this community, you have to keep it together, and then once the family started growing apart, and uh, was it, what, what was the, the, the main character's name? Mary Mirabelle. Mirabelle. Mirabelle started asking questions and it started driving everyone apart and that's why the match went away. But plot wise, I don't have a problem with it at all. Um music wise, I thought the music was unreal. Um in terms of Hamilton, I don't really like the songs in Hamilton that Oh, I love Hamilton. Yeah, Lynn Manuel Miranda, very talented. I just don't love those songs, and you could you could tell that like he wrote them by the way that they like started almost rapping but kind of singing at yeah, the same I time. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Um, but I I love the music. Uh, I think obviously we don't talk about Bruno banger. Um, Louisa her song, um, the strong girl. Yeah. Yeah, pressure. Surface pressure. That one, probably my favorite song. Beginning song, great. I think the soundtrack is one of the best. Um, I'll go as far to say it's it's a top five soundtrack in all of Disney. That's wild. That's a wild claim. To that is a, I don't hate that. that wild I don't hate that, Cam. I don't, I don't like yeah. it at all. I do not like it at all. Lion King, okay. every single song is good in that movie. No, yeah, that's one. 
Okay, so, I, but like you have think, to if you're saying that's right net right near there, that's nuts. I mean, I would put Lion King ahead of it, of course. Yes, obviously. But, but all right, go ahead. Yeah, but anyway, um, plot wise, you're right. Animation wise, really good. Uh, song wise, obviously loved it. Um, the reason I chose this is because I watched it recently and I didn't want to watch it. I thought it was going to be stupid, but I I did and I loved it. And then I watched a lot of background on it, how they actually went to Colombia. All the characters in it were Hispanic. Thought that was really cool. Um, I'm going to give it an eight three. All right, total score of six point eight. Can I say one thing? What Dylan rate it? Five. Flat five. Um, The one thing that saddens me, I miss just normal 2D Disney. I mean, as great as as the animation is on this movie, um, and the past probably, since like Frozen, maybe even a couple before that, um, where the 3D animation is is taken off, I just miss the, the... the casual 2D. I don't know. There's something about it that seems more Disney to me. That's what I think of when I think Disney. I was thinking about that today too, Dill, but we did a lot of extra stuff in sports today. We are at an hour 45, one of our longer episodes, but that's Ways Dang. It Takes, episode 113. Check out the band 113. It's French hip hop. It wasn't that bad when I listened to it. Um, check us out on oh, our oh. socials. Oh, oh, I got pick a movie. Oh, yeah, Tucker, you requested movie picks. Sorry, I forgot. Go ahead. I'm picking Batman, the new one. I have tickets for it tomorrow. I have tickets for it tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) There's a new Batman in theaters. Yeah, it's coming out tomorrow. How did we not know of this? Robert Pattinson is Batman. It's going to be awesome. I'm trying to see it this weekend. I hope I do. Um, If I don't, no spoilers. We probably shouldn't spoilers. No spoilers anyway. Because. I'll try to go. Chuck, when are you going? Uh, I'm going tomorrow with my father. Would you like to come? Potentially. With, tell me what time. We can do this off, off air. We're an hour 45. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Damn. All right. We're going late night, though. That's ways to take. Episode 113. We're watching the Batman. Um, check us out on our socials. Uh, thanks for being with